This episode of Sci-Fi Roundtable brought to you by Discount Marksmanship Academy. Each of our courses comes with a free red shirt and refurbished ray gun. Also ask about our two-day Stormtrooper weekend workshop. Discount Marksmanship Academy, located adjacent to the Boonta Eve Pod Racing Coliseum. Hey everyone, it's Jesse with Everyday Science, and today um, I am joined by my friends Sean Morseberry and Merrick Isbick, and uh, we are just going to host a little uh, roundtable sci-fi discussion, and we're today going to be talking about artificial gravity and how it relates to the USS Enterprise. We all met at a party, and we were talking, and do you want to explain how this... So I've often had this uh, hypothetical question I'd like to ask a physicist about uh, the, the scenes in science fiction movies where a whole breach happens on a ship that has an artificial gravity system, and there's this incredibly fast rushing of air to leave the ship, and it sucks people away. And my theory is that so long as the artificial gravity hasn't been damaged... It shouldn't be that quick of a motion. The people shouldn't be sucked out. The air would dissipate, uh, but it would be a much slower rate. It wouldn't be nearly as dramatic. Because if the gravity on the ship is equal to Earth's gravity, and Earth's gravity is the only thing that keeps our atmosphere in, then so long as that gravity is in place, it should still be doing something to hold the people back. It shouldn't just be the whole of the ship keeping okay. the atmosphere in. Yeah, that makes sense. And Merrick had some some thoughts on this, and um, he, did. he did have thoughts. <laughs> and, and yeah, do you want to share those those thoughts? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, basically, when you're talking about artificial gravity and an uh, enclosed environment that is recreating what we have here on Earth with the atmospheric pressure, the atmospheric pressure that we have is base basically a result of God know what is it thirty thousand no seventy thousand feet to the stratosphere of air of different compounds, largely nitrogen, oxygen, other trace elements. But um, as you were saying, gravity is the force that holds it all together. Earth is massive. We have an artificial uh, gravity system on the Enterprise. And if there were a hull breach, if, if the hull breach were large enough, if it literally tore the ship in half horizontally, so it was just <laughs> flayed, then there would be no rushing of air because it would be all... Uh, trying to equalize with the near vacuum of space from everywhere at once. If the hull breach were localized, if it were a relatively small hole, then it would actually rush out. Think about it like this. If you had a, a rigid balloon that you had filled with pressurized air mm -hmm. and you punctured it, you would hear all that air rushing out through the puncture and if you had particulates in there, floating around, the particulates would be jettisoned out because you have mm. so much air, but a much greater vacuum for it to try to dissipate into. So the artificial gravity system that's on the Enterprise is a single direction. It, it's not actually artificial gravity the way that we have it at the space station that is a rotational artificial gravity. It's a, a scientifically generated artificial gravity that pulls everything down when you say and sorry, when you say on the space station, I mean you don't mean the ISS. I do. Well, we don't have artificial gravity on the ISS. Uh, but we actually can on some control arms if the space station is spinning. They're not the actually standards. currently doing that, but uh -huh. that is something that has been tested in different environments and is actually theoretically possible. Yeah. That the centrifugal gravity, and that's why, like, when you see things that are um, uh, po uh, postulated, that are rings. 
and people are walking on the outside of the rings because the centrifugal force is basically holding them there. Yeah, and just and just for our viewers, so if you've ever seen 2001 A Space Odyssey, uh, you'll see that circular, you'll see these rotating space station uh, ships, and there's a guy in the in 52, Van, Van Braun or something, I, I looked this up before, and he conceptualized this centrifugal force, and, and it's basically, if you've ever been on one of those Gravitron things, sorry, I'm like, <laughs> if you've ever been on one of those Gravitron carnival rides, and what you they put you on the edges, and it spins really, really, really fast, and you're basically just like sucked into like the sides in your back, and you try to like put your arm out, and it forces you back. That's what the centrifugal force gravity is. Um, and then there's also um, there's also the linear acceleration gravity. So if we were just like going really, really fast, like if you're in an airplane or a car and you're going really super fast, it kind of pushes you back. And so that's one way. But what you're talking about is a mass loaded gravity on, on the I or on the USS Enterprise, right? Uh, yeah, I'm saying that the Enterprise doesn't have a mass loaded gravity. Oh, it doesn't have a mass loaded that would, gravity. That would require there to be a inc an incredibly massive entity that rests so far below the Enterprise that it actually has a uniform planar gravity field on mm. the Enterprise. So what is actually being used or what would have to be used is something that is beyond really our understanding that just creates a gravitational field that is just directional from top to bottom of the Enterprise mm. and doesn't really have a single source where most gravity that we have comes from. And what you're talking yeah. about with linear acceleration and uh, centrifugal force, that's all acceleration. Like the centrifugal force, right. when, you're, when you're turning, turning is actually a form of acceleration, even if you're maintaining speed. When you're on yeah. an airplane, while you're accelerating, you have that, that force, the G-force. Once you're at speed, you don't have it anymore because you are at speed. Right, and the problem with that is you would use so much fuel that if you were if you had to constantly accelerate, you would just use tons and tons of fuel, and like it just it wouldn't be sustainable. Exactly. Um, but what about have you heard of this um, like the dense like putting a really dense matter down I, like for mass? So maybe there's not enough mass. Well, there's a similar. I don't know if either of you've seen these science fiction shows Andromeda. Um, it, it, that's fine. It's a pretty niche show. Uh, it's not everyone's cup of tea. I only watched it because my brother made me watch the first season. But uh, that's something where in that show, the whole of that ship is supposed to be um, so dense. They don't have force fields in that universe. It's just that the whole of the ship is is incredibly dense. It's capable of withstanding a nuclear weapon. And I believe there's going to be people in the internet who might correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, that is also the, the source of the artificial gravity in the ship, is that they do that exact thing, where it's, they just have an incredibly dense... Um, piece of matter that is causing actual gravity, not artificial oh, gravity. I wonder where they got it. Mind from a star. Yeah, like a dwarf dying dwarf star or something yeah. like that, most likely. The nature of gravitational fields, they have something that's, if you're saying the entirety of the hull or the underside of the ship, uh -huh. because if the entirety of the hull is made out of this incredibly dense matter, then we'd be at the center of a gravitational field. We would be floating, mm -hmm. like if you were to get to the center of the Earth and there, it was hollow, you would literally just be suspended because all the gravity leads to that one place. So if you're surrounded by an incredibly dense hull, mm -hmm. then you're gonna be at the center of the gravitational field. I believe the center of the ship is the densest part, and then the hull is just also dense enough to withstand. So the hull itself is not creating 
the artificial the gravity. It's obviously putting out a, a form of gravity. So we're talking about the Enterprise, the the disc, the base of the no, disc. No, no, sorry, that that's for Andromeda. The, oh, for oh Enter excuse me. Yeah, that's for the other show. Andro Enterprise has some form of an artificial gravity system in it that I don't think is. I'm, I'm sure in some of the expanded universe books or. Uh, yeah, resources I think online. Said it was like a plate. The, or yeah, something. there's a plates. gravity plate. They briefly touch upon it in the television show and Enterprise, which is the the ship, the precursor ship to the one that Kirk and Spock fly on. They d discuss how there are there are uh, plates lining the floors that create the gravity. They do not discuss how it works because it's a piece of science fiction technology. Of course. Um, <laughs> but uh, back to the, the the example with the with the extreme vacuum. So th there's a constant myth in movies where if, uh, like a bullet hole is punctured punctures the the side of an airplane while it's in flight at thirty thousand mm -hmm. feet. It can create a, a strong enough rushing force to rip the side of the wall off and suck people out. Now that's been tested and proven to be false. You can have a and also just in actual flights there Wait, have they been tested this. They've just Tested, well, not they, necessarily like, with a gunshot, but with like with uh, with okay. puncture, puncturing holes. There have been planes that have had like holes punctured in the side at thirty thousand feet or so. And yes, it does create a rushing. Uh, uh, the air does rush out, but it doesn't suck people out. It doesn't cause larger rips to occur. Um, and that's what we're seeing depicted on in the Enterprise. And yes, you're right. The air would get, definitely get, get sucked out if there was a small uh, localized hole breach. But I don't think it would have that devastating effect of pulling all the people and all the objects in the ship out with it. But yeah, that's well. It's, it's also science fiction, so it's it's and it's entertainment. So there's that flair for the dramatics. But of course. I don't know. It seems believable to me. <laughs> the ru sense. the rushing motion. Yeah. Well, this isn't so. Um, in Guardians of the Galaxy, have either you seen the first Guardians of the Galaxy? I've seen both. Okay. And I love them. So there's the scene in the first Guardians of the Galaxy where Peter Quill leaves his vessel in order to save Gamora and he takes his helmet off and he puts it on her. So he's exposed to the elements of space for about 20 to 30 seconds before they're both saved. Yeah. And people criticize that as the second he takes his helmet off, he'd be killed. And James Gunn, the director of the movie and the writer, uh, did a lengthy post in response to that criticism where he says that they've, they've spoken with NASA consultants and this is just one of those examples where something is depicted in movies often enough that people assume it to be true. So the depiction that the second you're exposed to the vacuum of space, you die, has been shown enough in movies that people have accepted it to be true, but oh. scientists speculate that you could last for no, you know, 20 to 30 seconds. No, that it's actually a slow, painful death. Yeah, it would be a slower <laughs> death than instantaneous. Yeah. Um, especially if you, if you had exhaled, you wouldn't have your lungs explode on you because you wouldn't have air within your system, too. Interesting anecdote. Mm -hmm. um, when I was uh, when I was a kid, I, I love scuba diving. Um, when I was a kid, I had a I had a thing I liked to do with it, taking a, a hose into the pool, and so I'd have one end of the hose disconnected from any source, obviously outside of the pool, and I take the other end of the hose and use it as like a long snorkel and uh. try to descend to the bottom of the pool. Now, I would normally hold my breath as I descend, and when I get to the bottom of the pool, I would attempt to exhale and inhale. And the moment that I would uh, open up my airways with the hose in my mouth, all of the air would be immediately sucked out of my lungs simply due to the difference in pressure. Right. And if I hadn't closed my airways, it probably would have actually damaged my alveoli because of the amount of pressure that is literally pulling everything out of the lungs. Mm -hmm. So now I'm not going to touch on having your your flesh literally try to expand to take up all of the vacuum of space. That's that's a little bit ridiculous. But um, the due to the difference in the pressure 
from the inside of the lungs to the vacuum of space, the moment the trachea is opened, that all of that air would be sucked out so fast that it could very well and very easily do irreparable damage to the lungs. So like you said, not necessarily an instantaneous death, mm -hmm. but probably one that is guaranteed. It, it would be an inevitability, though it might take a little bit of time to die from a lack of oxygen or be internal bleeding. But he was probably holding his breath, right? I, like he I think the way that the director talked about it is before he takes the helmet off, he exhales so there's no air in his lungs. He removes okay. the helmet, puts it on Gamora, and they weren't out there for that long. The, the span of the scene, I think, was 25 seconds before yeah. they're rescued by the ravaged ship. We could hold our breath for 25 seconds. Yeah, you could do without <laughs> air for that long. Um, we won't do it now. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, let's so, not test it. But if that's happening, if there's a pressure there, I mean, does that relate to if a hole was blown in the USS Enterprise? Could that be like the trachea of the USS Enterprise? Very and, much so. And that's why it rushes out? Very much so. Does that make sense to you? Because you're the one that's very skeptical it about that. It makes the sense. It's just a question to me of it, whether or not it would, it would be pulling the objects and people with it. Now that makes sense. Oh. Because the gravity should still be holding them down. Like, yeah, they're going to feel the wind, but it's not going to be a rushing enough force to rip them from the ship. That would be interesting to actually try to calculate what the uh, wind speed would be for different size hull breaches given volumes of air within a ship. Mm -hmm. Ooh, I have a shitty science explanation. Okay. Because we are weightless in space. And <laughs> once there's no gravity oh no that's but, the, i've but already my, blown a hole in this because yeah. i was gonna you say there's no gravity, like the and then they're weightless and then they and then they rush out because they have no weight and yeah, feathers so no can get like sucked out more than like a rock could but yeah if there is gravity but maybe there's gravity and then there's no gravity and they're weightless and then they go hmm if the gravity's still working i feel like they should be fine yes if the gravity doesn't work then of course they'd be sucked out yeah so mm -hmm. i was looking up some real artificial like the reason for real artificial gravity and why we should try to find it or why we should be researching it and looking at like the centripetal centrifugal centrifugal there's also centripetal force there is so centri centrifugal force um so looking at that motion <laughs> of force um one of the problems that they that they had said on one of the amazing internet sites I looked at, True. was that the problem is size. So like the size of the ISS, if they were to do that rotating motion, it's gonna, it's actually gonna kind of suck the blood down from your head to your feet. Like unless it's like the size of a football field, if you're trying to do use gravity with that rotational force, mm -hmm. your head is gonna like be very light. It's gonna rush the blood down. It's gonna feel really disorienting and not super great. Yeah, the, from what I understand, the smaller the diameter of the of the ring, the faster it needs to be spinning in order to create Earth-like gravity. Yeah. So I think two rotations per minute is the fastest it could go without causing that effect that you're describing in order for it to be going at two rotations per minute and still have Earth-like gravity, it would have to be like 735 feet across. Um, and additionally, what makes it actually um, less- <laughs> Big ring, yeah. Uh, what makes it less uh, lucrative, I guess you could say, uh, practical really is when you start actually spinning something like the space station right now all the focus is on the joints maintaining uh, the at the atmosphere that's in the space station all the connections etc when you start spinning you start adding stresses oh you yeah start adding stresses to all the joints and directions that they don't normally have stresses and then you start needing to reinforce all of these joints and that's there's so many components that we don't necessarily need to fly to space for the astronomical, no pun intended, costs of flying things <laughs> to space. Well, but and then the added fuel. 
Yeah. Too. Yeah. It, it's, it's, I mean, it, it's impractical. I think it's something that we would only really feel the need to solve um, if we were doing long distance space missions because long term yeah. not having gravity would be terrible for you. Right. You basically, like, your mu- muscles atrophy and, um, and you know, that that's one thing. I should finish that, that thought, though. Um, there's, there's a few things. I wrote these down. Hold on. I'm cheating. Fluid redistribution, um, muscle atrophying, sickness. Um, oh, eating. The whole eating thing. Oh, how it's difficult oh, to get food into your stomach? Well, and not, not just that, but think about, like, just, like, spices on your food. I mean, all of these, like, microparticles of spices. Oh, or that's just, true. like, like just... salt and pepper. And then, and then there's also the bathroom thing. Mm-hmm. You know, but they do... I, I did see on the ISS that they... When you go to the bathroom, they... There is an airflow thing, and that is that is actually a question that I had because if there's if they can do airflow for to suck your bathroom stuff mm-hmm. down, um, so it's not like floating of it. That's yeah. Look at that visual. Um, <laughs> <laughs> then why can't why not have airflow? Hold us down. Hold us down. What's what's because the, it's not it's not. Um, I mean, I know it sounds isolated. crazy. It's not isolated. You would have to be in tubes. <laughs> Like if we're traveling in tubes, being pressed down by immense Pneum- air, pneumatic gravity. Pneumatic gravity. I like it. <laughs> uh, what about? Just okay, it's fine. Brainstorming. What about magnetism? We all wear suits. We're lined with metal, and then the floor of the ship has a magnet yes. pulling us down. NASA, we are available. We wouldn't do anything for our internal or our ears. We'd still feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, well, and that's the problem with the rotational force too. Is if, if there's windows, I mean, you see all these beautiful pictures and stuff coming back from the ISS and all. I mean, oh, you mean you, looking out and seeing? Yeah, things? you can look out. There's the um, what's what's the round thing called that they look out of? Um, oh, there's uh, the holodeck. No, the, holodeck. <laughs> the, the, the bridge. The it's the observation. Yeah, it's uh, mm. the cup the cupola cupola the cupola oh cupola cupola. The cupola. cupola. I mean, cupola. it was you wouldn't be able to just uh, float Francis in, the, Ford in the cupola and be like. Aurora's over space. Well, I don't know if either of you guys saw. Did you guys see Passengers? I didn't. Not I kind of wanted to. Just two it's, pretty people. That's fine. I mean. There was uh, this. This relates to. They are very pretty people. You're right. Um, <laughs> that's this, why people are watching this. Exactly. It's like Passengers. I can be. Everyday science. <laughs> <laughs> well, honestly, the poster for that movie really told you exactly what they wanted you to know. Because it's just a picture of Chris Pratt's face and a picture of Jennifer Lawrence's face, and that's it. That's, that's all the, the poster the was. And then the title is Passengers in Between. Their faces, Passengers. Yeah. But that ship, there was a lot of... Uh, so it, it seemed like it had the spinning centrifugal force gravity because the ship has these rings that are spinning on the outside. Mm-hmm. But when you're inside the ship with the characters, it feels like the space is too massive to be contained with inside, within the rings. Mm-hmm. So uh, me and my brother got the interpretation that those rings were just kind of stupidly added by like the d- design team. Like They didn't know what they're for. They've seen them in other movies and they put them on. But my brother did, my other brother, who I saw the movie with, I saw with both my brothers, did think that that was what they were going for, was that the whole ship is contained within these rings and we were just off on the scale of the rings. But if that was the case, oh. when you're looking out the windows on the ship, you don't see, the stars aren't moving in proportion. You should be like, you know what I mean? The stars are right. moving with them. Whereas right. if you're looking and you're spinning constantly, you should be being exposed to new stars all the time. Like you're in a car Unless or Unless if you're Very on true. the inside of the ship looking out, it is actually some hologram projection of what like you fake, would see to keep you from getting dizzy. To keep you from getting dizzy. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, when you're talking about like the, using these massive rings that generate the gra- the centrifugal force gravity, 
um, obviously the floor is going to be the outside. Yeah. So you're not looking out from the rings. You're either looking through the ceiling at the other end, the other side the of the ring, mm -hmm. or you're looking out oh. the sides. And so you actually, it's true. Your, your point is still valid, but it would be less noticeable. You're seeing stars like from your this angle. position. Oh, I, I see what you mean. I see. Yeah. They would be a, moving on you, but yeah, different when direction I, than what I was like. interpreting. So another thing I was thinking about was, so so for, for creating gravity, and we have the centrifugal, and we have the linear, and we have just the mass loaded, and um, and then we have our pneumatic, you know, and, and our magnetic, and mag um, all of magnets. these things. Um, but and well, and I guess that's sort of part of like what it is with Earth. I mean, we have a. We have a magnetic core. No, okay. Well, <laughs> I'm just I'm trying to like bring it back to Earth. But with bringing it back to Earth, I mean, if you have something as big as the Earth, if you have something as big as us, then you could create a gravity with our mass. And it made me think of the Death Star. And and Star Wars, it's more kind of fantasy. We don't really they don't talk about mm -hmm. you know gr How artificial gravity, gravity and they don't explain all that stuff. But you know, I was thinking about the Death Star and them kind of like all like walking around. And I thought, well, if that's as big as the Earth. I don't know, internet, I, how big is I it? I believe the Death Star is the size of a moon. Oh, okay, yeah, like yeah. Like specific, which is obviously, that's not but, helpful. There are probably Force moons the size of ours. Death Star. Well, that was the Star Killer. I think... The Star Killer. I think I've looked at the Wikipedia for the Death Star at some point in my life, and I think it was supposed to be roughly the size of our moon, Earth's moon. Okay. So there would be enough gravity to walk around. It would be about, it would be the same as walking on the moon, which is, I think, a sixth of our gravity. Okay, so, so Darth Vader would, like... Darth Vader would not look as badass. But I think around. what he's about to jump in here and say <laughs> okay. is that because you're inside the Death Star, uh, you're not. Whereas we're, when we're on Earth, all the gravity's below us because this is where the gravity's coming from. Uh -huh. Whereas when you're inside the Death Star, if you were relying on the mass of the Death Star to create gravity, if you're ten floors down, you're going to be experiencing a different gravity than if you're a thousand floors down. Does that make sense? Yeah, like if, it does. If if you're at Ish. the the level that is basically the North Pole of the Death Star, okay, then you are your your floor is basically aligned with the gravitational force going to the center. Okay, but if you're on the center of the Death Star and the center deck of the Death Star, and you're literally on the center point of the center deck of the Death Star, okay. then you're at the center of the gravitational field, you have absolutely no gravity, you're basically floating. If you're all the way at the front of the Death Star, or the back, if you want to consider there being a front or the back, uh -huh. then you would constantly be falling toward the center. It's not a practical, because you understand how like, if there's 10,000 <laughs> floors in the Death Star, and you're at four, <laughs> and you're at four or 5,000, yeah. you're being pulled just as much by what's above you as what's below you. If, if you're relying on the mass of the Death Star. No, I mean, what I literally thought of, well, because I was trying to think about it in relation to the Earth, uh -huh. too, which is probably not the best analogy, but I was thinking about if you're falling towards, like, the core of our Earth, like, if you're in the ocean, like, you're going down towards the core still. Could, you could conceivably actually make something like the Death Star with, uh, let, let's just say you were to actually take scoops of like a, uh, a white dwarf star and put it at the center mm -hmm. to, okay. to just increase oh. the mass. Right, like that mass, yeah, because, that density. I mean, the, the, the density, and this is obviously um, theoretical, the density of something like a white dwarf star is the equivalent of uh, putting, I think, like 100 oil tankers into a mayonnaise jar. Jesus. It's absolutely it's crazy. insane. Yeah. So if you were to do something like that, then you could build the Death Star starting it obviously further out from the center like an onion have have decks that are like layers of an onion 
and you'd have elevators going out to what is basically the surface of the Death Star. Realistically, only the outer deck would have viewports, and you'd basically be looking through the ceiling, but that would be perfectly fine because you could have your, um, your uh, the, the, the captain's deck, the, the, the deck, yeah. <laughs> would, is really all that needs to see out, and everything else would be maintenance. And like what we were saying, like as you gr uh, get closer to the center, the gravitational field is, affects you differently. Eh, not so much. Um, gravity doesn't really change that drastically on uh, when you're talking about something on a large scale, like something the size of a moon or a planet. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. Consider the fact that when you're uh, at 35,000 feet in the air in an airplane, you're experiencing the same gravity as uh, James James Cameron, Michael Bay, uh, for Challenger Deep. It was James Cameron. James Cameron. James Cameron. As James Cameron experienced when he was in Challenger Deep at 30-something uh, thousand feet under the ocean. So we have this range of like 60,000, even actually more than 60,000 feet to travel around the Earth's surface and still be subjected to what feels like the same one atmosphere's gravity. Mm -hmm. So I... 9.81 meters per second squared, acceleration coming down, no? Yes. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, yeah, you, you can do it. You just have to construct the Death Star very differently. And I, I apologize to the designers of the Death Star for calling them out. Well, maybe they did. <laughs> maybe that's what, maybe at the center of the Death Star well, is a, uh, a dwarf star. I mean, and it's maybe possible. that's why maybe they got the star, is how it got his name. Exactly. And I that's think the ventilation, a a ventilation shaft. Leg that's, that's the flaw. I was yeah. going to say, there's a much there's bigger flaw in the Death Star than but, the gravity. <laughs> but Rogue One answered that now. Rogue now we understand. Oh, shit. They're coming for <laughs> us. We didn't permit with the LA Film Commission, and now we're going <laughs> to no. be busted. Just a thought for next week's episode. Um, <laughs> if, you're in the, if you're in the Enterprise, and there's, let's say there's gravity plates. The floor has plates that are creating artificial gravity, and that's how they're all stationary. That's their relative cell. That's the relative, like, bottom, the, the down, is where the, right. plates, the plates are. So if you're in the ship, and you're, and you're flying at weird angles, the people shouldn't notice anything. But and the people are always being like thrown around as if their gravity's moving with them, correct, Merrick? Yes and no. Oh. Yes and no. Okay. Because when you're when when you're on on Earth, person, yeah. And let's just say you're like in a fighter jet. Okay. And you're flying at a level basically uh, mm -hmm. at speed, not accelerating. Your gravity is pushing you down. When you start to like do a bank, yeah. Then even though gravity is pushing down, the it's, acceleration, the, the acceleration because you're accelerating, mm -hmm. you get the, the g-force, the centrifugal g-force. And when you're flying through space, even if gravity is pulling down, when you turn and bank like that, you're still getting, uh, actually, you know what? I but, just, but I just he's saying that the gravity is The contradictory is turning with you. You know, I, I relative to I, it's I, like as if the Earth was spinning with the fighter pilot. You actually have a very valid point. Yes, I win. <laughs> Woo! Well, so Sean has won this episode twist, of Round Table ending. Hypothetical Science. Um, yeah, cool. Well, thank you guys. We'll we'll wrap this one up, and um, I hope you guys liked this uh, this episode of this new format discussion thing that we're doing. And we're we're all going to be back, and we might have other guests and other things. And please let us know. Um, I mean, blow holes in our USS Enterprise of an episode. Blow blow holes in all of this. Uh, let us know what you think. Let us know what topics you would want us to cover. And um, and yeah, thanks so much for watching. And thank you guys for 
you know, spurring this whole thing. Thank you and for having us. Yeah. Really enjoy. I've been looking for an outsource to argue with people. I'm <laughs> in trouble for it. So well, this is this great. Is we'll do it again soon. Um, and you guys, you can find these guys on social media. At, to, on Twitter at Sean Mobar, M-O-B-A-R. Okay. Oh, and Sean is S-E-A-N. That's S-E-A-N, M-O-B-A-R. Yeah, it's the it's spelled the right way. Yeah, it's spelled the right way. S-E-A-N. Um, I mean, I suppose you could find me. I, I'm not active on Twitter oh, at what, all. What a hipster. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I, I have, I actually have a Twitter account simply because I felt like I had to get one. If you were going to follow him, you could just follow me instead. <laughs> yes, please do. Please follow Thank Sean you. at S-E-A-N-M-O-B-A-R. Awesome, and I'm at Jesse Science and at Everyday Sci TV. I'm also subscribed to uh, Everyday Science for more stuff and more uh, musical parodies and Element a Day in May episodes and different sciencey and non-sciencey type stuff. Um, and then, is there anything else you guys want to share about anything that you you have or want to point people to? Or um, I have a movie coming out in, at the end of July, beginning of August, in that range. So Sweet. It's, well, a cave, it's a caveman. It's about the caveman that invented stairs. It's a feature film. It's premiering at Tampa Bay Comic Con. Yeah. The end of July. That's awesome. Yep. Sweet. I can't and wait you to can, see it. You that. can look at that online. I'm stealing all the promotion. You can look. <laughs> you can look at that online at, on Twitter at argstairs. Um, what is it? Or at argstairs. A R G stairs. Arg stairs. Arg stairs. Yeah, that's the caveman's name. He's like the pedal character. Arg stairs. So. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. All right. Well, that's all. Bye. Bye. This episode of Sci-Fi Roundtable brought to you by Discount Marksmanship Academy. Each of our courses comes with a free red shirt and refurbished ray gun. Also ask about our two-day Stormtrooper weekend workshop. Discount Marksmanship Academy, located adjacent to the Punta Eve Pod Racing Coliseum.